Episode 36 Through the doorway, Kyle watched his wife direct the rearrangement of the living room. Having somewhat overcome her fear of crowds, she had decided Molly would receive visitors at the house on alternate Saturday mornings. Molly, Jackie said to the police chief, will sit in an armchair on the far side with an empty chair beside her for the visitor. I will sit on her other side. My assistant will keep an eye on the time and arrange for the disposal, by which I mean storage, of the gifts people bring her. A police officer will check IDs at the door, and one will be stationed at the far end of the room. I want plain clothes for both. There is no need to appear unwelcoming. The rope line will go from the front door into the sunken area here. Jackie jabbed her pencil toward the living room. The chief nodded, and Jackie resumed yelling into the telephone in her other hand. Listen to me. Molly's snowsuit is to be plain white, with white mittens and a white scarf. No ears. No tail. Molly is not a creature. Understand? Now, about the hotel in Winnipeg. Next week, Jackie and Molly would leave for a tour of Canada, a nation smothered in snow. Jackie had received assurances that the weather would not affect turnout at Molly's events. Canadians did not even notice snow. So now she was making plans to film CEDN spots with Molly on a toboggan, with a snowman, etc. The poor girl was nothing but a puppet, Kyle thought, a corporate ventriloquist's dummy. This was as much his fault as Jackie's. He had had major doubts about CED from the beginning, but he'd squelched them, partly but not only for Jackie's sake. He'd thought he could do his impressions on CEDN. And now look at him. He hadn't done a single impression since, God help him, Tahoe. Jackie had told him the home recording studio was his whenever Molly wasn't using it for CEDN. It was state-of-the-art, but Kyle was not an artist. He was a piece of furniture, a chair that drank beer. Even now, he could somehow not lift a finger to save his baby daughter's soul. What would it take to get him to do his duty? Maybe nothing short of the apocalypse. Kyle had sunk so low he even wished Tessa had agreed to move to Christmastown with them. But, as it turned out, she had refused Jackie's almost sincere invitation. She said she was happy where she was, which had surprised Kyle until it occurred to him that she was still waiting for her husband, Leo, to come home. After all these years, she wanted to make sure he knew where to find her. In Calgary, perched atop a stuffed moose in front of a newly opened Carl's Mart, Molly dropped Carl into a snowbank. She started shrieking immediately. The assembled crowd began to wail with her. Arms futilely reached for her as the wall of men shoved the would-be consolers back. The cries erupted. Help her, please, she's so sad. Jackie patted the air with her gloved hands and smiled. It's all right, she told the crowd. It will all be over in a second. An underling plunged his arm into the snow and retrieved Carl. He handed him back to Molly, whose enraged face glowed like a ruby set in the white fur trim of her hood. No, Molly shouted and smacked Carl back into the snow. Jackie picked Carl up herself and inspected him. He was filthy and deeply pocked with teeth marks, but he had looked like that for quite a while now. He had, however, gotten wet, so Jackie dried him carefully with her scarf. "'Here you go, sweetie,' she said to Molly. "'I don't want it,' Molly roared. "'But it's Carl, sweetie. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it.' Eventually Jackie persuaded Molly to gather Carl to her heart once again, but she held the figure with indifference, his head hanging below the wheels of his race car. The crowd grew subdued and even nonplussed. A few people drifted away, taking with them the presents they'd brought for Molly. Her face still blotchy, Molly smiled for the photographers and TV crews. Unfortunately, they already had far more interesting shots than these. Most had already rushed off to file their reports on Molly's meltdown in the frozen north. Back at the hotel, a local doctor was summoned, a man whose O's were so round you could have strung them onto a necklace. He checked Molly's temperature and looked in her mouth. She stayed quiet, observing him with an expression of tolerant suspicion. 
This nuanced mien bothered Jackie. Molly was not one to conceal or complicate her emotions. I see nothing wrong, the doctor said after nearly half an hour of poking and palpating. She could use a little more exercise, but she's otherwise quite healthy. I'd say she's just being a little girl. Jackie's laugh came out as a snort. Did this man not own a television? Had he never been to a Carlsmart or left his office except for this one time? He had no idea that what he'd said made no sense. Molly? Just a little girl? Then again, worst case scenario, what if she were? There went that lifting sensation again, that scarf blowing off. Instinctively, Jackie reached for it around her neck and felt nothing. As soon as the doctor left, Jackie called Harry in New York, or maybe it was Pittsburgh, to give him a full report. You could say she was making a preemptive strike. Harry had not yet seen the breaking news on CNN. Molly had a rough couple of moments out there, Jackie said. It turns out she has a cold. She's not used to this harsh weather. But don't worry, the doctor gave her all kinds of medicine, and she'll be fine by tomorrow. Sounds fine, said Harry. Really? Sure, these things happen. She's just a kid, isn't she? Jackie did not know what to say. It was one thing for a Canadian doctor to believe this. But Harry? If you want, Harry said, you can cancel the remaining stops on the tour. There's no sense pushing things beyond their limits. For Harry, that kind of statement was sacrilege. They finished the tour according to the original schedule. Most of the other stops went just fine. Only occasionally Molly's eyes narrowed as she spotted an object in the middle distance, a toy, a store window, a person cooing at her and approaching, and she turned away with a look of disgust. Her voice sometimes lapsed into sing-song, as if she'd finally realized that she'd said this line or something like it well over a thousand times. Also, no matter how often Jackie handed Carl to her, Molly continued to bat him away, even after they'd returned to Christmas Town. No longer a comfort, he seemed to tip Molly's precarious mood into misery. So, after a few weeks, Jackie sent Carl to the underground storage facility. After all, children did outgrow their toys. Maybe, Jackie allowed herself to hope for a brief moment, Molly would outgrow her job, too.